0: Christopher and I, and all of us at TDPS, are still grieving the loss of my dear friend and our beloved premier party person, Ann Rice.
1: But my mother's literary legacy gave birth to a diverse and wonderful community of readers and fans who continue to celebrate her work online. We invite you to join them on the
0: Facebook page dedicated to Anne's legacy. That's where you'll receive the latest updates on new editions of her work and all the exciting changes coming to the AnnRice.com website.
1: Also on the Anne Rice Facebook page, you can join the mailing list to receive all the latest news and information about her forthcoming celebration of life in New Orleans. That's at facebook.com slash Anne Rice no spaces. If you
0: believe, as we do, that Anne's work is as immortal as her characters, then join us at Anne Rice fan page on facebook.com. See you there.
1: Eric. Yes, Christopher. Have you been to my website lately? Why would I go to your website? You're sitting right here. Well, it's the place to find out all about my new books. <laughs> ChristopherRiceBooks.com. This ad did not go as planned. This was an ad. Hi, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you're listening to TDPS Presents Christopher and Eric. So, this is our last episode in a series that we have been doing called Wintertime Crime. Eric, our director of branding, called it that. So if you don't like it, talk to him on our Facebook page. Wow.
0: Way to throw me under the bus, Christopher. <laughs> it's going to <do> be that <laughs> kind of episode. So
1: if you're
0: looking for somebody to blame, don't look at me. The buck stops there.
1: The wheels of the bus go round and round, yeah. round and round, round and train round. Train singer. Yeah, train singer. I went to vocal lessons as a young man. Um, <laughs> two. two. Okay, look. Two different teachers. Two different vocal coaches, perhaps. Um Today's episode of True Crime TV Club brings you Home Sweet Homicide, Season One, Episode One, entitled "Footsteps in the Snow." Standard disclaimer: I'm sorry, Eric showed us a clip of a student film that he did that's up on YouTube, in which he's a fancy pants uh, fine arts guy, and I'm now talking like him from that movie. <laughs> It's very sophisticated. Well, it is. I didn't know it was. We can share it on the Dinner Party Show Facebook. Yeah, page, we'll, right?
0: we'll post it. It's just, a, it's on YouTube. So yeah, yeah, it's it on any, YouTube. Any difficulty to post it there, you'll have to, we'll put it up there and you'll get to see a very, an 18, 19 year old Eric wow. Shaw Gwen um, hosting a, a, a discussion of um, film history.
1: Film history. We'll just leave it at that. It's a satirical piece, if you will, like most of what you find here at TDPS. (laughs) that I've ever done. Uh, Most of what Eric touches turns into satire, so yes, absolutely. At the very least. Okay. If not scathing criticism, at least satire. That's enough.
0: Release the house I just wanted
1: to see your face when I said that. Listen, we have something. We also have late-breaking developments here at TDPS. We do. Yes, we're getting new chairs. I don't know if our party people have heard the sounds our chairs make in the background, but we've been saying this for a really long time. I'm I wouldn't committing us. I would no. That's why I'm doing. it. I wouldn't I'm make any yeah committing. <laughs> Except
0: us. we're yeah. And, and what time frame?
1: The time frame. Next of- year or so.
0: <laughs> in the next two to five years, we'll be getting some new chairs in here. Yeah. I really do intend to. I really always intend to. And then it somehow never quite happens. Some of it has to do with... Oh, boy. Here we go. The soon-to-be... Yes. um, My soon-to-be available (laughs) new home. I think... Which has taken up a lot of my free time.
1: I think at the beginning of this process, you let our party people know that you're oh, I'm renovating a house and I'll... Give you updates, and then when you realized how hard and all-consuming it was going to be, you were less inclined to give updates. By the time you came in here, you wanted a break from that fucking renovation. I I
0: have to say, honest to God, it took so long before the updates were anything, well, we're still talking about those windows. (laughs) Um, You know, like it it was a more— deliberative process than I had originally anticipated. It moves very slowly and then finally everything gets delivered and it moves a lot more quickly. Mm -hmm. And the combination of those two things is A, not very interesting and then really all-consuming. And so the happy little updates that you might see on um, Hometown or Mm uh Nate and Jeremiah I uh, is not your necess- favorite not necessarily unfolding yeah I'm I guess Nate and Jeremiah are my favorites are your favorite. although Keith and Evan on home uh bargain block mm-hmm. also pretty favorite and oh what are the two guys on oh gay guys oh yeah oh my God the they won the um the uh rock the block last time it they I, it's been a while. They're in Atlanta, and oh my one of lord! Has,
1: there are other gay guys.
0: I'm sur- it's home decor. I'm surprised all of them aren't gay guys. Yeah. I'm surprised Chip and Joanna Gaines aren't gay guys. Um,
1: <laughs> They're really not. Gay really guys. not.
0: Yeah. I don't watch them because they no. don't like gay people, but yeah. or they don't like to do their homes or something. That's I don't know. Some, some it's like the, um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Let's see. It's Anthony L and Michael Smith Boyd and their show is called Lux for Less. Oh, you yes, remember. I they're remember. amazing yeah. and yeah, they're they're really fun, but probably Nate and Jeremiah is my mm-hmm. my favorite because I also they're the most kindred spirits, although they are a little beige for me. Mm-hmm. They tend to be more my sort of How
1: would you describe your design style?
0: Well, I guess it's dependent on the project. You know what I mean? Like mm. I, I am not. I am not um, the boxy, oatmeal walls, boxy bland furniture. I am not bland. Mm. I am about um, interesting detail and more eclectic. Um, styling, but like the how that I've been doing, like a Hollywood Regency kind of look for the there new house. There we go. There's a, you right. And, but this was really, I don't know, what would you and call the, this?
1: You're talking about the studio we're in, which you designed. I yeah. would say gay um, circus, <laughs> gay circus <laughs> green room. Gay Circus Green Room, right? we got our red drapes in there with a big, big Queenie Valance, which we love, which is part of our branding. So I would
0: go with more sort of a, a glam locks kind of look Glam locks,
1: yes, absolutely. For the
0: for the office, it's a lot more sort of the walls are red and the curtains are red and the furniture is sort of a little over the top and mm-hmm. very kind of um,
1: yeah.
0: overstated. That sort of, but yeah, I mean, but. It could be also something different than that. Like it, it depends – like I say, it de- would depend on the project. Mm-hmm. Like this would be a mu- a bit much to have done with the house. Right. But that sort of Paul Williams style mm-hmm. um, from that period, you can – look Paul Williams was this very famous designer out here. And mm-hmm. kind of, I think, if not the originator, certainly one of the pr- leading examples of what's come
1: to be called Hollywood Regency. <laughs> right. Uh, Paul Williams was black, right? Yes. He was a groundbreaking designer out here, sort of in his field.
0: Yeah, yeah. Michelle. I think it's Michelle. Michelle and Anthony from Deluxe, Lux for Less. I, mm-hmm. They're both black.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Great. I don't know that they're groundbreaking, but I think they're, <laughs> but they're a hell of a lot of fun. Anthony is just crazy. Yeah. So much fun. And they won... Oh, I shouldn't spoiler alert, oh, but it well, was last season. It was last season. They won yeah. rock the block and they and rightly so. Yeah. And it was the same kind of thing that I like. It they were a lot more a lot more richness in their design choices. I that's a good way to describe it. I just I'm not about the sort of bland furniture store showroom kind of look. Mm. I just I don't
1: get that. My design style is in transition. Right now my home looks like supervillain's lair from the 90s.
0: And you can't really find anybody to arch, so you're trying, yeah. looking to break into a new I'm, field. I'm looking
1: to break into a new field, absolutely. I look at the hotels I like. You know, that's how I look it for my design scheme.
0: Well, I think that can be helpful, but I think, it's atmospheric like so many of the things that I see lately lack any sort of architectural features Mm. and I don't understand that why would you want something that's so completely devoid of any kind of like if you're going to stand something really ornate in front of it I guess I could understand that but they don't do that they stand even blander furniture in front of complete uh, backgrounds that are completely devoid of any architectural elements I just Mm -hmm. so there's literally nothing interesting they take out all the walls and the doors and the and so it just looks like this big furniture showroom to me i I think it's boring
1: i remember you you were the first one to draw my attention to the tyranny of the open floor plan and how popular it is and now i can't unsee it it's everywhere i look and i do a lot of looking on zillow at stuff i'm never gonna buy uh but we were hoping that COVID would maybe do away with it, that people at home wanted privacy again. They and wanted rooms. to
0: go to their office and close the door and be left alone. But I
1: think there's something that's counteracting that, which is parenting. Parents want to be able to see their kids from the kitchen. And I think it's, it's... I think
0: people are being tricked into believing something that isn't true. What? that? About it, that. that it
1: gives it more space or gives that you a it sense it makes of... it feel
0: more spacious and that you need to be able to yeah. stand in the kitchen and see the entire house from the stove. Right. I just think those are not true. Like, if I hear... I think it's those... What are those... Um, the twins who are... Or maybe they're not twins. They're brothers. The I think they are twins. But they do the... the home Property brothers. The property huh? brothers, right? If I hear one of them say... The, the the kitchen is the heart of the home one more time, I'm just going to scream. Yeah. Like, if you want to pick something to be the heart of the home, I would say wherever the family sits, they're asked to watch television. Mm-hmm. is probably a lot closer to being that right. than where people are cooking.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, the kitchen is a room where you make food. And mm-hmm. why you would want your entire house to smell like... Old food. I don't know.
1: <laughs> I have old food room spray that right. I use. Absolutely, Frito pie, old bacon, old ham, mm-hmm. old vegetables. I've been in those houses and old paper towels.
0: And why would you want your house to smell? But if you don't have any walls and the garbage, I know, no, can- I have
1: no walls, and, and my I, my house is a chimney that smells like breakfast from five days ago. And yeah, the gar- and the
0: garbage is sitting in there, and yeah. like that's the. I just. I'm like, I don't get what everybody is saying about that. I think it's great on those design shows because you buy some shiny cabinets and some new appliances, and it looks like, wow, you do spend a lot of money. Mm It's very expensive. But it's like, wow, and then the rest of it can be sort of a bore. But, yeah, yeah, Waterfall Island in the heart of the home kitchen. It's Mm -hmm. like, oh, my God. Like, okay, I guess that was an interesting once, but every
1: time – which leads me to our True Crime TV Club. <laughs> Which has nothing to do with any of these people. It's called Home Sweet Homicide. So there's a home in the title, and we have been talking about homes. Keep up, Eric Shawquin.
0: I guess you're right. My homes mostly, but just yeah. the same.
1: Well, it's exciting to see you reaching the end of your renovation. Oh, my God.
0: I'm so waiting until the day. Because I'm, like I'm looking, looking actually... forward to
1: having something else to talk to you about. All right. No, I'm just kidding. I'm it's been really looking
0: forward to having – I'm looking forward to getting back to work.
1: Yeah, totally. I
0: cannot wait until I can go in my new library and sit down yeah. and write books again.
1: Abso-friggin-lutely. Absolutely. But until then, we've got true crime to talk about.
0: Right. We got us true crimes to discuss. And this one is called Footsteps in the Snow.
1: Chestnut Ridge, New York. Part of
0: the house is the footsteps in the snow. <laughs>
1: Chestnut Ridge, New York, January 7th, 2003. A disclaimer at the front of the episode says names have been changed. What the fuck does that mean? So it's only partially true crime. So we're interviewing people, but they're telling us like is one did we interview an actor? Like, is that what that means? Anyway, okay. Let's guess as we go along. Let's guess. Sayo Carvalho is our first interview subject. Fake in name, fake. She's identified as Evelyn's friend. She hated her.
0: It's a lie.
1: She begins talking about a woman named Evelyn before the special has clearly identified who this woman is, which I guess is their way of creating suspense. She says that she met Evelyn at Home Depot, where they were working, when she first came over from Brazil. They worked in the same part of the store, and Evelyn was a beautiful girl with long blonde hair. She liked to work out and take care of herself. Evelyn... I'm not buying... Anything Sayo has to say. Oh, Sayo has been dismissed. Evelyn is from Puerto Rico and also immigrated to the U.S. without much family. They had a lot in common. Peter, her husband, was a very good father who was involved with everything around their son. Suddenly, we are interviewing Louis Valvo. He is the Rockland County Assistant District Attorney. Suddenly, huh? Yeah, suddenly. Well, that's how this began. It was like, there was no overarching narration. It was talking head. It was interview people, interview subjects, and they were sort of like, in who these people were. And then shit's
0: gone down.
1: Shit's gone down. A 911 call comes in from a neighbor of Peter Visage, that's Evelyn's husband, saying he ran over to her house, Peter did, with his son, because he found the house robbed, and his wife on the floor. Now we meet Detective Jimmy Burbridge, who's a big New York police detective. He arrives on the scene at 10 minutes past 11. He says it started to snow shortly before his arrival. That's important. Pay attention to that detail. He encountered a woman lying on the bedroom floor upstairs with a knife protruding from her chest. There are no defensive wounds on her hands or the rest of her body. There is jewelry around her neck embedded in a wound, so clearly her throat has been cut. There is a wastebasket with three light bulbs in it and a fourth light bulb resting on the floor next to it. Pay attention to this detail later because it has given birth to a new phobia that I will have for the rest of my life. (laughs) ¶¶
0: I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and everyone here at TDPS would like to congratulate my co-host and best friend, Christopher Rice, also known as steamy romance author, C. Travis Rice, on the publication of Sapphire Storm, the third novel in his Sapphire Cove series. Sapphire Storm is the drama-filled tale of a forbidden romance that exposes old secrets and incurs the wrath of the powerful and the famous. It went on sale March 7th. Along with the first two entries in the series, Sapphire Sunset and Sapphire Spring, it's available wherever e-books are sold. Congratulations, see Travis Rice, and congratulations, Christopher.
1: There is a wastebasket with three light bulbs in it and a fourth light bulb resting on the floor next to it. This is close to Evelyn's body, or I guess just outside why the room from Why is this the
0: birth of a new phobia?
1: We're going to see why these light bulbs were removed, because in the hallway chandelier there are no light bulbs, but a light bulb is stuck in a planter on the landing. Whoever killed Evelyn removed these light bulbs so that she was in the dark. So if I come home now and I turn on the lights and there's a light bulb out, there's a fucking killer in my house. That's how my brain works, okay? Well, I'll tell you, Christopher... The way that you'll
0: know is because there will be a two-story tall ladder standing in the room (laughs) that you walk into that they had to get and drag all the way upstairs in order to remove
1: one of those light bulbs. That's true. I have very high ceilings. Yes. You're just trying to make me sound bougie. Anyway. (laughs) Or maybe a lie your fears because I'm a good friend. You are a good friend. I'm a bougie friend, but still. (laughs) Bougie friends. That was the original name of our podcast. Okay. That's our next podcast. (laughs) Coming soon. The police search Peter's van. It's on the left side of the driveway. Evelyn's car is on the right. The snow in the driveway has been disturbed by footprints. There's a distinct set that walked around the west side of the house to the back door to the laundry room. The detective follows the footprints and finds the door ajar. The footprints appeared fresh and they did not reemerge from the house. Further... Meaning the killer is still in the laundry room. That's kind of what I thought when they first gave that detail. I was like, okay, anyway. No damage or pry marks are detected on the windows, um, and all the exterior windows appear to be locked. Suddenly it's four years earlier, because specials like this love to do this shit. Well, they've got
0: to make it last 45 minutes somehow.
1: Evelyn is meeting Peter at Home Depot. She liked him right away because he was very family-oriented. Yeah, that's also not true. They bought a house. this is once again information from Sayo. They bought a house together, and she got pregnant, and they started to raise a family together. those things didn't necessarily come in that order. (laughs) January 8th, 2003, Peter tells the detectives he's been out. Okay, we're back. That was four years earlier. That was all we went back in time four years for. Now we're back. It's January 8th. It's 2003. It's snowing. Evelyn's dead. Peter tells the detectives he's been out with his son all day, and he made a stop at the grocery store at 10:10 10, 10 p.m. He picked up a gallon of milk and came out at 10:16. He's really ready with all of this information. This is almost as bad as saying nobody wanted to kill my spouse. Um, <laughs> having the
0: watertight, documented right.
1: alibi all laid out. This is all verifiable through surveillance cameras and a time-stamped receipt. And then he says... You should probably talk to Evelyn's boyfriend. Dun-dun-dun. Because it turns out the two of them were divorcing, and the financial side of the divorce seemed to have been resolved. I would also point out, at some point previous to this, maybe right at the top
0: of the episode, there is a re where you get a lot of information that isn't necessarily picked up in the story. Oh, yeah. She comes home. The house is dark. Right. She can't get the lights to come on. Right. She calls Peter on the phone, and he says it's probably just a fuse. Mm. I'm gonna pick up some milk, and I'll be home in about ten minutes.
1: Mm-hmm. And they never come back. And to they that.
0: never come back to any. I of forgot
1: that. about that because they never come. But back it was. To
0: it. But it was the. It was the real killer. It was the real. You know. That's how the murder was happened. Mm -hmm. Was resolved. Like she was, she thought she was home. That there was a fuse out in the house, and really, somebody had, as you pointed out, removed all the light
1: bulbs. Terrifying. Um, Also, I would say, if your wife is dead. The financial issues of your divorce have not been resolved. I wouldn't say that to the cops. Well, we resolved all our financial issues and she's, you know, dead upstairs because it makes it sound like that's the resolution. Well, it kind of is. We're going to see. Evelyn had been out with her boyfriend, Mike, that day. Peter provides all the samples they want and agrees to take a polygraph. We go back in time again <laughs> to 12 months before Evelyn's murder. The overprepared witness. <laughs> and would you like some blood and DNA? I already have it here in the refrigerator. <laughs> I took it out with the I have my own IV. Uh, we have a crime lab down the street. My sister runs it. you want Anyway, um, right. 12 months before Evelyn's murder, uh, I think she comes to America. We get more backstory on Evelyn. My notes go a little haywire at this point. She never knew her father. Her mother lives in Florida. She settles in the Rockland County area, meets Peter, and marries him. Peter, on the other hand, has family members from New Jersey, a, bro- dun, dun, dun. a brother in law enforcement. Oh boy. Uh, Evelyn started to feel like Peter was growing distant from her. In reenactments, Peter plays video games in a cold manner, I wrote. And right. That is- Covered with ice, yeah. like
0: icicles growing from his eyes. Like, this woman, this is like boy, this is such a great example of what we were talking about. This is not the story that's,
1: yeah. that,
0: that's happening.
1: The day after the murder, the detectives visit Evelyn's workplace to talk to Sonia, who's been interviewed previously. And Sonia says she doesn't have any enemies at work. Her boyfriend goes to the police station. He's crying, visibly upset. This is Evelyn's boyfriend. On the day of her murder, um, he Evelyn worked until 3 p.m. She planned to cook dinner for her son that night. Peter then called to say, oh, I'm actually going to take our son to my, my parents, and uh, we won't be home until later. So she decides to spend time at the boyfriend's house, and she's there until 7.30 in the evening. The boyfriend's mother came and dropped off dinner for them so she could substantiate this timeline. She leaves Evelyn, the boyfriend's house, at 9 p.m., he is also being very cooperative and forthcoming with the police. Everybody is just being so cooperative. Such a helpful
0: group of people. So helpful.
1: The police track cell phone activity. They find that Evelyn called her boyfriend from the highway to tell him she was almost home. The boyfriend's cell phone is found to be nowhere in the vicinity of her home at the time, and so he is quickly ruled out. Because, you,
0: as we all know, you can't be anywhere your cell phone is not. That's
1: correct. It's not correct. We're being sarcastic. Right. They research local criminals, they being the police, and they don't get any hits. <laughs> Which is like, I'm sorry, where is this taking place? There are no hits? <laughs> Chestnut Ridge is completely criminal free? Oh no, I just thought that they couldn't put any criminals in the area of that no house. No New Jersey? <laughs> oh, I'm d- way too close to New Jersey for there not to be any criminals. Yeah, just yeah, like come on.
0: Mm, uh, no hits.
1: Uh, at the time, there's been a rash of burglaries in the area. Oh, so there's a, that doesn't really count as criminals in the yeah. area? Thomas Little, a 25-year-old or so, as he described to old male, has preyed upon the New York metro area with home invasion robberies targeting women and older people. Most of them follow homes. We're having a problem with that here in L.A. currently. He, he was... <laughs> what yes, for the last 35 years. <laughs> It's gotten worse. There's more video now because there are more cameras <laughs> That's everywhere. That's right. He was often difficult to identify by the victims because he wore a mask and gloves. Okay. So he's clearly not. They, I think they find out that um, – I maybe I put this later – that Thomas Little is not in the area at the time and most of his cohorts are in jail. So his operation appears to be falling apart and perhaps in tatters. And probably has nothing to do with Evelyn's murder. But the theory being— He
0: wanted to kill her, but he just couldn't pull it together to get over there.
1: <laughs> just the—there the, is no—the um, the theory that she surprised a burglar is clearly what they're going on here. Clearly. And it's not coming together as a theory.
0: So it has a home invasion kind of quality to it.
1: There's scant DNA evidence, but she appears to have been first stabbed in the back. Again, not something that happens when you surprise a burglar. Not a lot. And then she is stabbed numerous times, and her throat is slashed. The wounds suggest passion, as the talking heads tell us. But that's—anyway. Okay. I know. That's why we do this. I want to hear your version at the end. Okay. Police look at evidence collected in Peter's van— uh, specifically, they're looking for evidence that he wasn't by himself throughout the day. Instead, they find an envelope containing thirty-seven hundred dollars and one hundred dollar bills tucked behind one of the seats. They also find a prepaid phone card for hundred and fifty minutes. These cards are thought to be non-traceable, but that's not true. Because what the century
0: car- was this crime? Did this crime this take was place? This two
1: thousand. Three, so a different century, almost. Almost, like it's like a phone card I with know.
0: 150 minutes untraceable. Like, where did this information come from?
1: Um, yeah, and different it's time. not untraceable because it gives you actually a bunch of tracking numbers, and then you can trace the records based on the tracking numbers. So I don't know why people think those cards are untraceable because they are not so if untraceable. So you're thinking of using a phone card as a. A key part of your plot, don't. Why did Peter need this if he had a working cell phone? That's the biggest question. His cover story, if there is any, is never offered. Why does anyone need a phone card (laughs) would be the biggest question. Mm -hmm. Two weeks after the murder, it turns out Peter Visich was using the prepaid calling card to contact a guy named Frank Thone. (laughs) I'm sorry, that's a guilty man's name. Frank. Hey, Frank. (laughs) frank thone. okay
0: i'm i'm going with this is one of the changed names <laughs> <laughs> like his name is not thon or thone or
1: whatever the hell his name <laughs> yeah. is that is not his name okay bobby killer was taken yeah Okay, he has an extensive criminal record in Florida and New Jersey. Guilty. I'm sorry, <laughs> those are two states. If you have an extensive criminal record in both of those two states, you're just fucking you guilty. It. it doesn't matter what it was. I don't. We'll just we'll work it up. We'll come up with facts to fit the circumstances. Right. But you did it. You did some shit. Just it's, come sit down. Uh, also, his cell phone was in the vicinity of the visit. <laughs> it's in. covered with blood. But and other
0: than that, Andy's in jail. <laughs> He's already in jail when they find him.
1: And he likes to drink. So they take a picture of him to a well-known local bar called The Silo. I think that's another name that was changed. I think so. My God, The Silo? The Silo. I don't know. It could
0: be one of those sort of um, sleepy hollow kind Mm. of upstate
1: New York. Quaintnesses, sure. like sure. I think it was silo. called the accomplice.
0: They then go on to call the the person working there a barmaid, yeah. which is like, I'm sorry, is it 1872? <laughs> a barmaid. We
1: talked to a barmaid named Fran, who says on the day of the murder he was in the Silo Bar. Um, he commented, "This is Frank." Now Frank and Fran are having an interaction on the day of the murder in the Silo, and he comments on her name tag. He says uh, that says her name is Fran. Uh, oh as a name tag necklace excuse me kind of like with Taylor and and Travis right didn't didn't one of them give I thought went? it
0: was a friendship bracelet okay
1: friendship babe she's friends friend zoned him already oh my god
0: he gave it to her with his phone number on it oh okay that, there you go
1: like that was resourceful all right call me babe and call me babe okay um so Fran and Frank Frank, who is in jail, has an extensive criminal record. We probably shouldn't talk about them. They may be broken up,
0: and she's already written a mean song about it. by the time people hear this.
1: I know. I should stop. Okay. Um, He has five Heinekens in a short period of time, lightweight, and (laughs) he's by himself. So one month after the murder, a judge gives a search warrant for Frank's- the reason he
0: comes in his necklace is because his name is Frank-
1: <laughs> which is just like Fran, yeah, Frank in France, sitting both in a tree, planning the murder of a woman named Evelyn. Okay, a judge gives a search warrant for Frank's truck and home, which are I don't know who they're with because Frank's in jail right now. Numerous items are recovered, including a computer. He apparently thought he'd wiped his hard drive clean of any information, but instead they find directions from Frank's home. To Evelyn's home. Which
0: is not looking
1: good I for gotta, Fran. This is I got to say this. There are moments on this podcast where I feel like we're giving advice to killers, and we're not. We're absolutely But not. honest to God. But Jesus Christ, we have to write this shit. We don't have to write this shit. And when we write it, it's not shit. But you know what I mean. Don't – if you're going to murder someone, don't go around writing stuff down. Like we did another episode about a guy who wrote down his whole his method for trying to decompose his parents at and Thanksgiving. And left
0: the notebook yeah. in the house with the bodies and went out of town before he'd finished disposing of them. So – I think that the advice we ought to offer murderers is if this is the best you can come up with, you really should either find a different plan or a different line of work because yeah. this is not going to be it for you.
1: Listen, if you can't remember a few left turns, murder for hire is not your job.
0: Really not going to work yeah, out. it's really as, not. As evidenced by Fran here, who yeah, yeah is, was already in jail when they caught him. Wow.
1: Um, the detectives plan a visit to Frank in jail. They request beforehand that he be moved into isolation at 4 a.m. to heighten his anxiety. And it doesn't, apparently, because he enters their <laughs> interview room with a ton of... Instead, he got a break from all the other prisoners. They bring in items implicating him and place them around the interview room. But there are no fingerprints, and they don't have any unidentified blood from the scene that could be matched to a killer. So it's whatever. They're trying to get a confession is really what's going on. Which they get after 20 minutes. Because he's he really wants to go back to bed. Right. Because he's already in jail. Yeah. So he confesses that he was hired to kill Evelyn by Peter Visage, and he agrees to give a videotaped confession. <laughs> ¶¶ That's right, at Facebook.com slash The Dinner Party Show. No, I meant in the car. Eric. Yes, Christopher? Have you been to my website lately? Why would I go to your website? You're sitting right here. Well, it's the place to find out all about my new books. (laughs) Why would I
0: go to your website for that? Again, you're
1: sitting right here. All right, well, for people who aren't right here, ChristopherRiceBooks.com is a great place to get information about my new releases.
0: Which you'll give me copies of because I'm sitting right here.
1: Yeah, maybe. But for those who aren't currently sitting in our studio on the Sunset Strip, check out my website, sign up for my mailing list, and check out all the posts on my blog where I talk smack about Eric Shaw Quinn. What smack? Shut up and read this new book I wrote. Fuck that and fuck ChristopherRiceBooks.com. This ad did not go as planned. This was an ad?
0: So first they wrangle about who's going to direct the video. Right. They settle on Peter Bogdanovich.
1: Right. And then they cast all the supporting players. No, he agrees to give a videotaped confession. He says Peter unlocked the side door of the laundry room for him to be able to enter the house. He removed the light bulbs. Frank did. And then he saw Peter's van pull up. And Frank called him and told him to get the hell out of there because Evelyn wasn't home yet. I don't know why Peter came home that early if he was planning to have somebody kill his wife.
0: You know, I think if this is the point we're going to pause to look at the the bad choices made by all of the people involved in this crime, we may be a little
1: late to the game. Yes, that's very true. So Peter, with his son in the car, with Evelyn's son in the car, leaves. Then Evelyn comes home, and Frank stabs her to death in the upstairs hallway. And on video demonstrates the stabbing gesture i, I mean, mean it was like jesus it was Christ.
0: horrifying
1: so here's the problem and here's a little education in how the law works in the state of new york which i did not know i'd never heard this before the prosecutor has to make a case against peter based solely on the statements of a confessed killer and you cannot do that In New York State. In the state of New York, you can't prosecute someone solely on the admission of an accomplice or co-conspirator. You have to be able to prove the accomplice is telling the truth. Or everybody in state government would be in jail. (laughs)
0: It's the only way they can keep people working in state government is that you can't use the accomplice's testimony. Right,
1: absolutely. Um, They put Peter under surveillance. A minimum of two and sometimes four detectives 24 hours a day are following this guy around. Uh, Frank claimed he got paid by Peter at a pizzeri- pizzeria. <laughs> a pizzeria. Pizzeria. That's the Italian pronunciation. Is it? Oh, yeah. That's pizzeria. A pizzeria. 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 That's a, it. Yeah, a, that's a totally what an Italian would say. A pizzeria outside of Newark the owner at jersey again they went to new jersey that was their mistake the owner was able to identify both men out of a photo lineup as having been there and she even remembered the son the man took his son to his three toddler aged son to pay the hitman who was going to kill the son's mother that re- was like what fuck. and then did the marketing yeah and then did the one, the marketing. The marketing.
0: He went to Path Pathway Path Pathmart.
1: Pathmart. Oh right. Oh, you're going. You're going local to do the yeah. marketing. To do the marketing. In a custody dispute. Here's the deal. They were in a custody dispute. We talked about this a few. We've episodes We talked ago. about it. Yeah. It's the
0: one thing that where you this just people right. get crazy. They shoot police officers. Somebody just recently killed a judge. Yeah. I mean, you want to get people crazy. A custody dispute is where it happens.
1: So I'd never heard this before either, which what? is the reason sometimes, if if divorcing couples or divorced couples are in a custody dispute, sometimes one of, they will not they'll continue to cohabitate because to leave the residence where the child is currently and legally was seen as abandoning the child. So well, I always
0: think that's weird. Anyway, when like they, it's so standard operating procedure, right? The husband they're breaking up and the one spouse says to the other one, Get out. Like I want you out of the house. It's like no, Yeah. this is my
1: house. I'm not leaving. Well, it's usually a gender thing too, right? Yeah, yeah it's, it's usually, the one. It, it would happen on TV shows. I remember you pointing it out on Southland. The wife of one of the characters was like cheating all over the place and then he had to leave. And I remember you calling and being like, what? Why does he have to leave? She was the one cheating. Right. Why does anybody have to leave? Yeah. This is
0: my house. Let's sell the house and I'll be happy to go. But I'm right. not
1: just leaving. Totally. So... And I think we're we're approaching what Eric thinks. <laughs> Sonia, Evelyn's friend, who I think is the only person interviewed on the subject of Evelyn's character in the course of this special, says
0: uh-huh. Evelyn
1: had no intention of taking the son away from Peter. Sonia thinks Peter was the one who wanted full custody, so he killed Evelyn. And yeah, and once again. Uh uh-huh. the detectives arrest Peter he goes on trial in 2018 20 I was like 2018 this crime happened in 2003 Um Frank Thon pleads guilty to first degree murder he's sentenced to 20 years to life Peter is found guilty and sentenced to life without parole All right Eric Shaw Quinn you're up What really happened here
0: It took them 15 years to get him to trial I don't I realize that, that
1: that so maybe my notes are wrong cuz that's really
0: that's really a long time. Like, I the court systems could be backed up in New York. W- You get know, there's a lot of state legislatures that got to prosecute up there, <laughs> so they're very busy. But
1: I, my God, 2018. I was watching another show simultaneously on a different screen, so maybe I was. No, I was not. I was not. I give our podcast full attention. Okay, what do you think was really happening? What do you think? You've been your eyebrows have been up since we started well, this. I think that you know, what was really happening is what really happened. I, it, You
0: know, incompetent boob plans murder with fellow, in, with Florida man. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, right. I just, it didn't go well. And that's not a huge surprise. And Jesus, like, amateurville, like what? Mm-hmm. Like I just, yeah, it's like we said earlier. If this is your best plan, you really, this is not your best. Right. You need to go into a different line. Um, the thing that is seems to be not well explored is the nature of, like they've decided to cast Evelyn as this mm-hmm. sweet, wholesome girl who is just looking for a family man.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I don't think any of that's, Yeah. I don't think any of that's the case. I think, um, hot party girl Mm -hmm. lands guy who she perceives to have money Mm -hmm. to look after. I don't think they weren't compatible or didn't like each other. She didn't like him, but I think that her motives are not being portrayed accurately. I think she didn't want to stop partying. I think the child was maybe an inconvenience to partying. I think she wanted a lot more support because of the child than Mm -hmm. he was, than he was wanting to pay. I just think, there's a that's the part of the story as we always talk about. That's the part of the story that seems to be missing when people are just blanket described as by Soya or mm-hmm. Sonia or whatever her name was. Um, right, the friend who is remarkably cold blooded about talking about her friend being killed. I mean, her expression hardly ever changes as she's mm-hmm. talking about her friend being pretty brutally murdered. I found it difficult to even see her as being close to Evelyn.
1: Mm-hmm. I think they partied. Which is a distinct possibility. I think
0: they partied together. Yeah. And that's and so she said the things they needed for her to say and mm-hmm. they gave her whatever they wanted and changed her name to Sonia. Um, yeah, she was an actress who was hired to say the things I don't know. But it was a very sort of the picture of Evelyn it made me suspicious of Evelyn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like once again as we always say at this point Still not okay to kill Evelyn. I don't care if you are no. suspicious of her. But because it was presented as such a monolithic kind of portrait of this woman as this ideal mother who just wanted a home and a family. And that's but all this, she was.
1: This is the problem. This is the problem with these ones. I'm, I'm, I'm a broken record about this. When there's too much agenda, when there's too much we're going to tell this specific story, the story is the story. Yeah. That's the thing. And that's the thing that you get from a from a complicated documentary. This is, we're going to give you all the facts and we're going to let you decide. But these specials are not, these one-hour series are not doing that.
0: Well... And that's the thing I don't understand because I don't think being honest about who she was would have changed. For me, it doesn't change the story. It might have made it a little more clear but how things evolved. Absolutely.
1: And I'm but I'm going to give Dateline a lot of credit for how they handle this because Dateline will kind of let everybody express their opinion at least once yeah. in the course of an episode. They'll say, "Okay, these are the two sides." And what they usually do is both families are well represented. Yeah, the family of the victim and the family of the accused, right, or the convicted. And both families get and people have gotten forward on Dateline and said she was a bitch and you know blah 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 blah. And in this
0: particular case, nobody's family is involved, right? Like so, nobody is being depicted. Like just the fact that it took 15 years to get this to trial. Yeah, Christ Almighty, damn! We really,
1: we we let's not go too far out on that limb. That could have been Chris. Could have been a typo. Numbers are not my forte,
0: but. Even yeah, like that would be really amazing if that's how long it took. Yeah. But, but maybe. Um, but yeah, the thing that the thing that is the red flag for me in this story is the way that they depict her. Like, yeah. I, it's clear he's somebody who thinks it'd be a good idea to hire a killer to do his wife in. So, and eh, all yeah, through Peter, yeah, like, right. yeah, like okay, we got a real sense of who he is. Mm-hmm. Like, took his child to the. Also, uh,
1: how the fuck did he meet Frank Thawne? Where did those the, two... Like, the, the I, I don't know off. any contract killers. I don't know anyone who's like, well, I would never ask him to, but I think Dave rubs people out for a well, living.
0: Well, apparently he didn't either. Yeah. Because like <laughs> I don't think Frank does rub yeah. people out professionally, given the level of professionalism in this particular crime. Yeah, right. The whole thing seems to have been, yeah, I think I know a guy, yeah. you know. And, and then so, he's
1: the guy. And he's yeah. the
0: guy, and he's sort of whatever. That's sort of somebody who's got the you know the mm-hmm. the brass the brass pair to do whatever the the job is is not necessarily the best guy for the job like clearly this guy yeah. didn't know what he was doing and the guy who hired him really didn't know what he was doing but but it doesn't provide me with the story that would be more interesting to me yeah, the story no. is this couple met married had a child and then at some point it seemed like to this man that it would be a good idea to hire somebody to kill her because mm-hmm. they're getting divorced like How long had she been involved with the other guy she was involved with? Was it before or after the divorce got started? Uh
1: Uh-huh. And they kept saying, well, he was really a family man. He was really a family man. And then you realize they used that against him because the full custody thing, which is only thrown out by one person and we don't really know what her connection was it's like, well, that's what it was. His, that was the source of his evil, his love for his family. It was He wanted full custody. But he if you to told share, me like, that hmm.
0: she was really deme- holding his feet to the fire about paying child child support and spousal right. support um, in order to, in the custody agreement, mm-hmm. and then he decided that it was a better idea to kill her, it's like, all right, well, that gives me a better picture of what's going on. Yeah. It doesn't make it okay to hire the hired killer, but I at least understand how he got to the point that he's doing it, as opposed to, well, you know, I saw an ad on TV and it seemed like a great idea, so I called the 1-800 number, mm-hmm. 1-800-KILL-YOUR-WIFE. Right. And, you know, they sent Frank around and he really seemed to get some good ideas. The light bulb <laughs> thing just seemed like genius to me. Yeah. I mean, there's even a light bulb involved. Right, so yeah. How could it not be a good idea? The right. very symbol of an idea. Um, right. Yeah, it's like, it just, like, none of that is what happened. And that's, and that, to me, feels like a cheat.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think the red flag is when nobody close to either the victim or the perpetrator will talk. That's when it's like, who, then who are we talking to? Because I think that says that there's a story there that is far more complicated that they don't want to be involved with again.
0: Which means it may have be, been 15 years. Yeah. Between the
1: murder and the actual trial. Because like, yeah, it's like there's some movie. I'm trying to remember what it is. Maybe it's a TV show. And it might be even where like the character is a ghost and she's been murdered and she's seeing people pretend to be her best friend on the news and give these tearful interviews. And she's like, I didn't even know him. Like, what? I hated him. I can't remember what it is. If anybody can figure it out, put it on the Dinner Party Show's Facebook page. But. But that's what I think when there's just a friend. Like there's just one friend being interviewed of the victim. And a friend who's
0: this completely unmoved by her death. Like just no feelings at all. If it was 15 years later, then mm, okay, maybe. But yeah, this doesn't seem like very close people at all. And maybe they wouldn't talk to them or maybe they didn't match up with their picture. And the footprints in the snow is really the only kind of interesting detail. I guess he just came back out the front door. That's I why he so. didn't. There was no front footprints leading away. I like, guess
1: so. That,
0: that's a really interesting point that they actually brought up. And then that was the end of that point. Yeah. Like, okay, so where's the killer? Is he still in the house? He's still there now. Yeah. He, he's still there right he's now. He's still actually hiding in the closet on the second floor. Somebody should tell him he could go.
1: Okay. So we're wrapping up, or we've wrapped up wintertime crimes. What's next? What themes are we looking out at on the horizon from our from our January well, 25th episode? Know, I
0: think it's we've t- time to go from um from finance to romance because we're moving oh. up on romance month. So I'm going I'm going to say that we need to start looking at crimes of passion. That's the other thing that I thought was really sort of if I might just say, saying that the murder looked like it was passionate, it, I'm sorry. This was a hired killer. This was the mm-hmm. most dispassionate. Like he'd never even met the woman he was killing, so it can't have been passionate.
1: I think it was overstating that it was not a burglary. I think they erred on the, 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 the. Yeah, they were saying it was it was too inefficient or bumbling to have been she surprised a burglar. You know what I mean? Like, she didn't get shoved down the stairs. She got stabbed. Somebody was intending to
0: kill her. Came up behind her and stabbed her in the back and then stabbed her repeatedly and slashed her throat. Like, yeah, somebody wanted her dead. None of that's very efficient. Um, Maybe that's what they were saying, but they said it seemed more like passion because that's the thing you say when somebody is repeatedly stabbed because they're killed out of anger, but this guy didn't kill her out of anger. He was just doing a job, so... Mm -hmm. I don't think that's – I thought that was an inaccurate description of, of this particular crime. But, yes, I think if we're going to look at something next, it may be time to look at crimes of the heart.
1: Crimes of the heart. Don't you think that seems like a fun I'm trying, I, I next agree. round to go? I, I feel like – should we do those – you know the ones that always come up when I do searches? And I shouldn't even bring this up because if people want us to – the Ken and Barbie killers. Have you seen that? There's a – it's like a four-episode thing. There were a couple, I think.
0: I think I've watched the series. Have we? Did we not
1: do the no, Ken and Barbie we killers? we didn't do the Ken and Barbie killers. I feel
0: like I've seen it.
1: Okay, well, there's maybe the Ken and Barbie killers. Maybe. And there's also. Um, that one on that I'm sounding so smart right now. We're having our production meeting on the air in our podcast. <laughs> but there's a lot. Like that's it, that's it. Sometimes we come up with these theme topics and we think they're gonna be great and then we go looking for cases and it's like, wow, nothing fits this. Bill. But
0: they were like, but Ken and Barbie killers are more like um, like they were in on it together. They weren't killing each other. That's Yeah, you want people who are killing each other. I want people I that's what with Crimes of the Heart, it's like Love
1: Gone Wrong. Yes.
0: Brought. Yes. Okay. What's that story with the girl who um oh my god, it was so terrifying and we may have already done it. Um she um was she thought she was in the romance with the guy and he he didn't think he was in the romance with her and she went back and um, Oh god, I'll have to look it up. I can't.
1: That's like everyone we know, Eric. <laughs> uh yeah, We were short of the murder, right? It just, you know.
0: Just except for the yeah. murder part. It's 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 kind of like the Oh, it's is it Jodie Arias? Who is Jodie Arias? Uh, yes, Jodie Arias. Yes.
1: It is. It's Jodie Arias. Yeah,
0: it's that kind of crime that yes, it's absolutely her. Are we um, going to do Jodie Arias? I would be I'd be all okay. in for it if we haven't done Jodie's before we, we should do a search. But that's the kind of crime I'm talking about. Yeah. That sort of love gone wrong mm-hmm. kind of crazy, or that the one just recently who um the bicycle killer who was um that she killed her rival. I think I'm not even sure if there's a special about it yet, oh. but her they were rival bicyclists or something like that. And she he dumped he threw one bicyclist over for another and mm. so she goes to she visits austin and who's and murders the the her rival who's there for mm. a bicycle race or something yeah jesus those kinds of those are more interesting stories to me. I mean, it seems like the next thing we're coming up Valentine's Day is coming, spring, love is in the air, all of that. So.
1: <laughs> this is our way of doing love. This is, is how in the air. we do love. Is in Poisonous, the air. toxic love is in the air, right. gassing and killing people right and left. Absolutely. Yes, totally. Crimes of the heart. Crimes of the heart. Okay. Until then and forever after, I'm Christopher Rice. <laughs>
0: I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and Christopher is ready to be done with this show. <laughs> I'm
1: in trouble because I didn't make a pot of tea. You
0: really should, and we're both about to fall asleep. I, uh, because it's yeah. when you drink the last of the tea, you make the next pot.
1: Yeah, I know. You, you have all these, like, living in a communal environment. I'm a spoiled only child who grew up on his own in the <laughs> woods. Well, that ship has sailed, babe. <laughs> You're in a partnership with a picky bitch. So. <laughs> get, get your tea made. Uh. All right. Well, until next time and forever after.
0: I'm Eric shaw (laughs) Quinn, and he's Christopher Rice.
1: And you've been listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. And Eric. Thanks. This is TDPS.